to another episode of Be Inspired with Linda H, where our mission is to help you be encouraged, motivated, and inspired to go after your dreams and to crush your goals. I am so excited about my guest today, and she is a lady of many different titles. So just to touch on a few, and we'll go into more throughout our interview, she is an international curve model. She is an artistic and creative director. She is a stylist. She is an author. She is a model mentor and a model scout. Please help me welcome my friend and guest today, Carmina Suzanne. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for having Hi. me. Hi, everyone out there. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. Um, we were just talking about it before the interview. You've been very busy. I've been very busy. And we've been trying to get this scheduled for maybe about the last two weeks or so. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, I'm very happy we were able to, um, you know, finally get our schedules to coincide with each other and get this interview. I know, right? <laughs> we did it. <laughs> yes. So um, I, I was just telling you also, this is not my typical Zoom setup um, as um, my friends that are following me on Facebook. Um, right now, I'm actually, um, I, I, I got my first gig in Georgia. I'm so happy. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. So I can't really talk much about the project, but I am on set for the next eight weeks and I'm in a hotel. So. <laughs> ask. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. So that's why we got the beds in the background, you know, so, but I'm making it work. I'm so glad I brought my ring light, actually. <laughs> so you're well lit. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so Carmina, uh, there's so much that we could talk about with you. And I think I was even saying, you know, we're probably going to get you back on the show in another couple of months because there's just so many different parts of me that I really want to share with the world. Thank um, you. You please tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, well, I'm a native Buffalonian, and if you can't tell by my accent, then you're not from Buffalo. <laughs> um, and I'm, you know, I'm a down-home Buffalo girl, but I've been extremely lucky. I'm also an opera singer, in addition to the the list you mentioned. And no, I'm not diva. Absolutely no diva. Um, but I've been very blessed and lucky to be able to sing and model um, around the world. I got my modeling career started in London where I was already living for my uh, singing career 
And I've just been so lucky to model in Paris. Um, most of my contracts are with German companies. I work obviously in New York City, you know, that's that's the closest market, especially now with the border being closed, I can't exactly go work in Toronto. And then uh, I work in LA and Miami. Um, so I've been really lucky. Um, and I, it's, I'm, every five years I move away from Buffalo and then I come back. And then I go somewhere else for a couple of years and then I come back. You know, I just, I keep coming back. So right now I'm in the Buffalo position. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so where in your five year mark are you right now? Is it soon to leave Buffalo and come back or? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired. Like I loved living. I mean, I lived in England for five years. Wow. I lived in Italy for about two years. I lived in Chile down in South America for like seven or eight months. Um, wow. I'm tired, man. <laughs> <laughs> Time to settle down. <laughs> A little bit, yeah. And in fact, I literally just did my part. This is one of the reasons, and thank you again for your flexibility. One of the reasons we had a hard time hooking up is because my partner and his family just moved into my house uh, this literally this past weekend. We're just a couple okay. days in. That's right. And, and they're from Argentina. So uh, and it's been wonderful, but it's a huge change going from, um, I never lived with more than two people for, I mean, many years it was me and my ex-husband with whom I'm still very good friends. Mm -hmm. And then for the last couple of years, I've been living alone with my health problems, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually has been really difficult. But now all of a sudden there's five people in the house, including a baby. So, oh, <laughs> and my <wow>. <laughs> so it's, it's really amazing there. I'm really happy. I, I, I won't say I kissed a lot of frogs. I'll say I kissed a lot of snakes. <laughs> before I found the prince. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So and for that reason, you know, I think uh, we're just gonna chill in Buffalo for a little while. Okay. Yeah, and it's so funny because you talk about just being able to, uh, being used to living with just two people, you know, Max in your house, and I come from a big family, you know, so we have um, seven kids, so me and my husband and our, our two older ones are already out the house now, so wow. it feels weird, like, you're like, man, there's, there's people missing because you're just so used to so many people in the house, um, so yeah, it's, it's going to take... <laughs> it's gonna take a little bit of an adjustment for you though but yeah lots of fun it'll be lots of fun especially with I, the baby i'm very grateful for it very happy yes so you told me or told us that you um started modeling when mm -hmm. um, you, when you was working as an opera singer how did that come about did someone just come up to you and say hey you know well in college um in the 90s <laughs> i just gave away my age i don't care i'm about, I'm about to turn 45 and i have no shame i am proud of every year i'm the highest 45 year old out there yes so, when I, hell yeah <laughs> when i was in college in the 90s i did some modeling i went to a music conservatory in ohio that was maybe like 45 minutes from cleveland um, so I signed, I mean, it wasn't even an agency. I think it was Barbizon. You know? okay. And yeah, I got some work and stuff. But then on, so this was, you know, I was 19, 20, something like that. And then um, I actually got scouted. Um, I don't remember her name, unfortunately, but a famous plus size model, an older model, came to Cleveland to do a, a go see a scouting. And I went and I was scooped up and all of that. But, um, and this was the dark ages of, of the plus modeling world. I mean, there were almost none. The few that there were were small. You know, there was size 10 and 12, maybe a 14, but barely. And, uh, you know, it's not nearly as open as it is today. But anyways, my health problems started to kick in at that point. I developed a whole bunch of diseases where I was losing my hair. My weight would balloon up and down. I mean, I was in no shape to be modeling. And then I developed a bunch of neurological diseases too, and my body was breaking down. So in uh, 2007, my husband and I, ex-husband, moved to London and England uh, to pursue a PhD in music for me. So I went over to pursue my opera and singing career. And at this point I was, it was, uh, you know, 11 years ago, so I was like 33. And I thought, you know, I'm just getting older. 
the industry is not very forgiving. I'm in the great one of the greatest cities in the universe for modeling. Let me give it one more shot. And if by this point, my issues with my weight had evened down and my hair loss had worked itself out, you know, I was, I hate to put it this way, but kind of more sellable, right? More presentable. And um, I just joined Model Mayhem, which is a great place for young models to start, by the way. Yes, there are some scams, but it is a legit site. And I did some quality work with some quality people and started getting published in print magazines and working with a couple organizations in London. And I think within a year or two of starting, I had magazine covers. I was, you know, event managing the first plus show in British history. Um, I was one of the top fashion PR executives in London and, you know, getting signed to agencies. I mean, it, once I set my mind to it and worked my butt off, incidentally, um, it happened really quickly. And so the five years I was in London was kind of a balance between my opera career and my my modeling career. Okay, wow. Yeah, I was lucky. Yes, wow. But I worked that off, nothing was handed to me. And most people said, you're too short, you're too old, you're too fat, you're too this. Like mm -hmm. I got told, like a lot of models starting out, I was told I would never make it. And, you know, I just got on a billboard at Times Square last week, by the way. I know, and you know what? You blew the whistle. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Thank you. I was like, man, I just, and this is recently too. Like, a, a I think it goes down today, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it's there now. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. Now. <laughs> so, you, you are actually on um, the billboard for the Body Love campaign. Right. Delana Denker. Delana Denker, yes. Okay. Delana yes, Denker. She's yeah, sure. and it's beautiful too. I've seen um, the pictures that you posted. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that campaign? Sure, um, and I'll just say I'm just one of maybe 20 models that are yes. featured on that poster. I mean, that billboard is really about the Body Love Campaign, which was founded in, I believe, the year 2015 by one of my dearest model friends named Silvana Denka. She's based out of Germany. Um, she's a photographer and frankly, one of the top plus photographers in Europe. I mean, she's as good a photographer as she is a model and she's one of the top plus models in Europe. She was bullied horribly as a child. I mean, really, truly horribly bullied and had experienced self-harm and very intense body hatred because of it. And so she started the campaign as much to heal her own wounds as you know, other people. So it started in Siegen, Germany, with just a small group of people, and it's a teeny town she's from, and she just had this idea to have everyone wear black and black bra and underwear, and there were gentlemen too, so, you know, black undergarments, and then you paid the letters for body love on everyone's tummy. And it got some press, and it grew and grew and grew. So I'm over here in America um, 2015, 2016, watching it grow and each city it would get bigger, it would go to Rome and she would always shoot in one of the most recognizable monuments. So, you know, maybe in Rome, they shot in front of the Colosseum. In Paris, they shot in front of the Eiffel Tower, you know, and it was kind of a way to like force people to deal with um, different kinds of bodies and it's not a plus size campaign there is a misunderstanding it's a body love and an anti-bullying campaign so there's men and women and you know gender neutral and trans and and every status in between um she loves to include people with scars mm -hmm. with tattoos who are missing limbs um people with visible surgery scars just any kind of body that society says isn't right. Uh -huh. So it's in, it's very much an anti-bullying campaign as much as it is a self-love or a body love campaign. So um, she announced, and I was following her, you know, like uh, I think 90,000 other people are on Instagram. And um, I applied for the one that was coming to New York. Mm -hmm. And I was so lucky that I was one of the, I think, seven or eight that was chosen. This was during New York Fashion Week 2016. And we got permission to shoot in Times Square, which is not easy to do because you have to get permits and they have to make the people, you know, give you room. 
And yeah, basically, like we took over Times Square and, and it was our way of protesting the lack of size diversity happening in New York Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, Silvana's done it in many cities. She's done it in many cities since. But if I could speak for her, I think that that one was her favorite. I mean, she talked about it being her life dream. It's changed all of our lives. It got the most press. You know, we were written up in Saudi Arabia, Italy, Spain. I mean, like the international press, we got magazine covers out of it. And um, and I've done two others with her. One right here in Buffalo, we got permission to shoot at Niagara Falls. Okay. So we did we did Body Love Niagara Falls and it was April. And if you remember, April's an iffy time in Western New York. It could be spring, could be gorgeous. Could be winter. <laughs> and it, it was winter. And we were also shooting a lookbook campaign for some German designers. And it's all bikinis, because you know, in fashion you always shoot a, a season or two ahead. And it was 45 degrees and freezing rain. So we're there just in our skivvies. Yes. And you're trying to look happy and body love. <laughs> oh my God. Modeling's so easy. Yeah, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that was so cool to also welcome her, you know, to our local area. And I also did Body Love Santa Monica, where we laid down on the sand and used our bodies to spell out, you know, the O. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Okay. And um, she's had other um, versions of the Body Love campaign. She has this incredible one where she paints people, um, curvy women who are naked in incredible metallic paints. Hmm. She has one where she kind of drips paint down their body. She's very creative in ways of showing, you know, all the different kinds of bodies that are out there. So that's what the billboard is, is celebrating really her entire project. Wow, very nice. And it touched so many people. I can't tell you the thousands of people, especially because it's gone to something like 40 some cities by now. Mm-hmm. It's touched so many people and you know you've made it when you get imitated because her idea has been stolen by two or three other organizations. Wow. Who, um, and they've become much, much huger. I mean, these are people that have 300,000 followers now on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the one hand, it's it's great, like good, get people with different bodies out walking around in their underwear demanding attention from the media. But a couple of them actually stole the entire idea and there's a corporate sponsorship behind it. And, yeah. We, we didn't need to be messy, you know, like get your own good idea. <laughs> <laughs> get your own good idea. I like <laughs> Now, was this your um, first time being on a billboard? Yes. Wow. It's more exciting. Wow. <laughs> and, and especially for the type of project that right. it's turned out to be. So very exciting. Congratulations. Thank again you. Thank so, you. Um, yeah so and and i find it even um more interesting that okay this is your first time being on a billboard the type of campaign that this is and knowing that um from your background um at one point you wasn't very happy with your body and you went from basically hating your body to how you're like self-love embracing your body and um my question for you is how did you change your mindset to go from hating your body to genuine and the key word is genuinely because there genuine. are a lot of people that say oh yeah I love myself you know self-love this and that but they're just saying it just to say it or saying it right. because you know they they want the you know people on social media to like their your posts or things like that but that's not how yeah. they genuinely feel yeah so, if you really love yourself that way you don't announce it you could just see it right yeah. Um, yeah, I get asked this question a lot and there's a couple things. I mean, one is just time. I just grew up. I just, and and, you know, I can't help anyone else do that faster. It's just you grow up. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, it's so silly, but I don't know if you can see this tooth here is kind of, it sticks out a little bit. And I I had braces for five years, by the way. I didn't know what, what's up with you and five? <laughs> I know. I mean, it's my magic number. <laughs> is that your lucky number? Bye, bye, bye. I, I never thought it was, but maybe it's well caught, well caught Linda. Um, I used to hate it. Like in my 20s, I would hide it, and I always talked about getting it fixed. 
And then it's like, in my tooth's a little crooked. Who cares? Like how much weight did I put on that for years? And in fact, I get booked now because of it, because having crooked teeth is actually high fashion and editorial. I mean, if you look at the girls who do hardcore editorial, they're weird looking. Like they have crossed eyes and crooked teeth. And I mean, weird in a beautiful way, you know, and <laughs> teeth and, and, and I mean, that's the difference between kind of a beauty model and an editorial model. Like my pictures look better because my teeth are crooked. And I also realized that, that when you get to the right niche of modeling, you're going to get booked for what you used to hate about yourself. Yeah. Good tip. Part of it was just, I grew up. I'm a big girl now, right? <laughs> and part of it, I mean, you know, I had all these diseases and most of them made me gain weight. And so not, I don't like to use the word fault, okay, when it comes to weight. I don't like to compare weight and health. But we do both know people who eat 5,000 calories a day and don't exercise. And I know people who weigh 350 pounds and have Olympic medals. I mean, some of the best athletes I know are quote overweight. So again, I don't like to make that comparison. But some people are overweight because they do things that make them overweight. Yeah. Okay, it's a fact. And so I decided that whatever degree I had over my weight, and it wasn't much because I have a lot of hormone diseases, endocrine diseases. I'm like, it's up to me to take responsibility for that. So just getting a little bit more fit, not even losing or gaining weight, but just getting more fit, more muscles, like working out more helped a lot too. Cause now it's like, you know, yeah, my thighs are still, you know, chubby and I have cellulite, but the muscles underneath are like muscles, you know? <laughs> and so part of it is, is that too. It's like, you have to take responsibility for your own health, whatever that means, gaining weight, losing weight, maintaining, eating more vegetables, drinking more water, whatever it means is not for me to say it's between you and your doctor, but it's your responsibility to take care of your health to whatever degree you can, you know? Yeah. Wow. You, uh, <laughs> you gave a lot, you gave a lot of uh, good tips out there. Wow. <laughs> so, um, Let's see, we talked about, um, well, you talked about a little bit of um, some of the criticism that you've received, especially first starting out um, in the modeling industry. You know, you're too short, you're, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're overweight, you're, you know, mm. you don't fit this, you don't fit that. I think one of the things that's very important that you said is that you need to find what your niche is because there exactly. is opportunity for everyone, you know, exactly. they're really it, you know, and, um, a lot of times people will be like, oh, I want to be a model. And then you're like, okay, well, what type of model would you like to be? You know, and you just have to find where it is that you fit in, you know, in this big circle. Now, um, one of the questions I have for you is um, what, how do you face criticism now? So is it the same as when you first entered the industry and was receiving criticism or have you been able to take it differently now? Well, first of all, I don't really get criticized anymore. I get critiqued. And as an artist, that's how it works. I love to get critiqued. Sam is a singer. I'm an actress. I'm a, you know, I've been on stage since I was eight years old. If you're any kind of artist, visual, performing, fine art, whatever, if you can't take critique, you are in the wrong pool. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. you know, someone's like, hey, you know, remember to lift your chin or, you know, this picture would have been stronger if you had popped your shoulder. I have, I don't take it personally at all. I'm glad for it because you have to, I don't like this idea about everyone has to turn themselves into a brand, okay? But you do have to zoom out and view yourself as a product. So there's me, Carmina the person, but there's Carmina the model. So I, I can look at my pictures and tear them to shreds. And I could also tell you exactly what is perfect and what I wouldn't change. And none of that affects me internally because I'm an artist. Mm -hmm. And my job is to sell garments for employ for designers so um do i get criticized not from anyone in the industry i mean there's trolls you know i've been trolled really badly the past couple weeks you know um because i have fat cottage cheese thighs and you know it's all trumpers it's these incels and trumpers and again it doesn't hurt my feelings at all i don't take it personally they don't know me how could it be personal mm -hmm. um but i but but um, industry wise, no. I mean, once I got going and like started doing it, 
no, no, I, no one told me that after the first year or two ever. Okay. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Just don't let it, you know, for, for the new models or anyone entering the, the industry, try not to take it personally. And I think also for me, it, it, kind of like what you said, it really, I kind of try to look at it as what is that person's intentions? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, is are there in the critiques? Is the intention because they want to help you improve or better yourself? Like you're saying mm-hmm. to myself. Exactly. Or is the intention, you know, because they're, you know, hating or throwing shade or right. um, trolling or they, they have their own agenda. You exactly. Know? Um, <laughs> and, it's, you know, this had me thinking because we were talking about the, um, you know, the body love campaign. And it kind of made this made me think about this story that I have. Um, this is, it has nothing to do with the industry, but um, when I was uh, probably like about seven years or so ago, you know, I just had my baby a couple of months ago, you know, a couple of months prior, and then I had like a girls' day, you know, a girls' girls' day, girls' night, <laughs> a picture on social media, and I thought I looked great, you know, I think I gained like sixty pounds during pregnancy, and I dropped probably about like forty or so, you know. So I mean, I was feeling good, you know. I posted on, you know, social media picture and you know people were liking you know nice blah 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 then I have one person that um happens to um sell those waist trainers right and then they posted um you need to come see me so I can help you get snatched (laughs) and I looked at I was like oh my gosh like what a way to just pop my bubble you know because I thought that I just had a baby exactly (laughs) you know and I'm like you know but her her intention wasn't really to to better me like hey I can help you to look better or whatever her intention was she was trying to make a sale Exactly. You know I mean? so yeah. it was, that's what her agenda was. So sometimes yeah. you gotta kind of think, you know, take a step back before you really even let something affect you internally. You need to think, where is this person coming from? You know, what is their intention? And that's kind of like how I try to try, you know, I'm human, you know, but that's how I kind of try to look at things. Yeah. So. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest part of being a model? Because like mm. we said, a lot of people think that, you know, it's just so easy, you know, <laughs> nowhere to get off. You see, a billion people would be doing it because there's, there's a billion beautiful people out there. If all it took was prettiness, like 50% of the population would be modeling. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've had a couple people say things like, oh, I would have been a model, but I wanted to go to university or, or my IQ is too high. I'm like, bitch, I went to Harvard. <laughs> We're had straight A's. That's I right. am not stamped for this. Models are stupid. Some are. It's just like normal people, right? Some are brilliant. Some are dumb as bricks. And most are normal, just like in any other profession. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry. I got off track. What your original? <laughs> <laughs> my, my little rants. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can you say the question the again? The hardest part of being hardest a part. Hardest part. Um, <laughs> one okay, I have two answers to that. One has to do with all of the constant nonsense of self promotion and all of this Instagramming and worrying about likes and agencies who won't even let you apply unless you have a minimum of twenty five k followers. And um, it, one, the hardest thing about the modern industry is the assumption that there's any correlation between talent and social media um, engagement and usually there's not and I um, I've seen some women with absolutely no talent for modeling don't have the bone structure do not understand lighting does not understand angles have have terrible poses I mean bless their hearts not everyone has talent in modeling and they get signed to agencies because they just kind of hit something right in the in, in the Instagram world. So that's right now bothersome to me because some of the best models I see, and I'm this is not sour grapes. This is not me talking. I'm doing very well, very satisfied with my, you know, my achievements. But I see some models who are just incredible, who get completely passed over. And I see some who are just crap, who have no business calling themselves models, who get signed to milk. I mean, top agencies in the world. Mm -hmm. So that, I don't know, maybe there's just something I'm not 
getting and I don't necessarily want to get about this this game we're supposed to play on social media now. What's hardest about modeling in real? I mean, you know, it's physically challenging. I mean, being in heels, holding, you know, poses like this for 30 minutes where you're 100% working your abs and you can't have any tension in your face and you know your muscles have to be relaxed but you still have to be full of energy. You know, that goes on for hours and hours and hours. And people don't understand shooting a simple lookbook where you might do 10 looks in a day, you are fried the next day, it's exhausting. But if you love it, you got the energy, like it's a good exhaustion. So I would say the hardest thing is mastering as many different parts of modeling as possible. I mean, I do agree, like we said before, everyone has their niche, but like you should be good at catwalk. You should have evidence of commercial. You should have evidence of catalog. You should have evidence of couture, the three C's, Tyra calls them, you know. Um, I mean, I've modeled like really ugly, low quality, old lady, you know, moo-moos. Yeah. <laughs> and then I modeled like a $20,000 custom Roberto Cavalli Swarovski crystal encrusted um, kimono, you know, and there's no difference. You have to bring the same amount. So um, it's really hard sometimes to model when you know you look bad in the outfit. Like, you know it's whack. You know it's you know it's not flattering you know it makes your butt look huge or whatever and you got to work it like you're at Paris Couture Fashion Week so part of that is just remembering your job it's not about you your job is not to take pictures your job is to model is to sell products a product yep and some of my proudest moments as a model were quiet moments it's when I literally got pulled off the runway dragged to the designer and said I want this dress now Wow. I've sold dresses off the runway in both New York and Paris a number of times. And that's actually when I'm as proud of that as I am of the billboard and, and the magazine covers. Because that means I did my job. Yes. Wow. Yeah. People Very forget. Good. Like, it's, I love pictures. Like, it's an art form and it's a business. Money, commerce, and art. Like, the young moms have to, like, keep their eyes on all the balls, you know? Yeah. Now, um, what being a being a, a model mentor as well, yeah. what is considered um, curvy and plus size? Oh, so this is a big debate, and there's a difference between what the general public understands and what is actually standard in the industry. And. I don't agree with the industry. So sometimes people jump on me when I tell them that these are just the facts. Okay. So sample sizes come in size two and four. Uh -huh. that, that's a standard across the entire industry, the whole world. And so that's why most models are size two and four, because you don't have to worry about fitting everyone. So women are big, like if you're a size six, you kind of have to starve yourself to get down to a two, four, or you're in no man's land. So technically, plus starts at size six. Uh -huh. Now, if you're 5'11", and you're size six, <laughs> you're tiny. Okay, so yeah. that that's a technical definition of where plus starts is a six, which is beyond ridiculous. Some agencies start what they call their curve division at a size eight. Okay. More likely it starts at a size 10. Um, the eight, the tens, and the twelves, and I'm in there. I'm a ten slash twelve. We call ourselves the betweenies, the in betweenies, because yes, <laughs> we're too big to be standard and too small to be considered plus. Yes. Most agencies start their actual true plus division at a size fourteen. Yep. Uh -huh. So, so the twelves could end up on a plus board. The twelves could end up on a curve board. It depends on the agency. Yeah. So, it, it, but the general public, I think, understands plus to start at like a fourteen. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think. I think I think so too. So um, people will tell me like, "You're not plus size." I'm like, I "Go ask my agent." Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a dirty word to me, so I don't take offense. You know, that's another thing people argue over the word itself. Yep. 
Now, when it comes to the curvy and the plus size group, do you feel that the um, fashion industry is becoming more accepting of that group or providing more opportunities um, for that group than in, Yes in no. So it depends on, and I know this now because I've lived and modeled in five different countries. It depends on the country and the region and the city. So like in New York, this stuff is old hat. There's been plus models since the 90s. Same thing in London. In Buffalo, I do not exist. Uh, it doesn't matter that I came back from five years in London with magazine covers and, and you know, working fashion week and all of this stuff. Like I was and still am treated like a total pariah in the Buffalo fashion industry, which is nothing. It's It's a, you know, with all due respect to the city, which I love, you know, it's not exactly a world famous fashion destination. And I have the same problem with Rochester, by the way, there are almost never plus models in Rochester Fashion Week. And I've been watching like a hawk, believing me, been looking at every picture and counting I have for both um, Buffalo and Rochester based fashion shows. And it all boils down to the designers. The designers, most of them stop at a size 12, 10. And why did they do that? Because they're not taught in design school. So the problem really goes back is to how the designers are taught. And that problem boils down to is, is there a plus size mannequin or not? Okay. Is there a disabled mannequin or not? Um, we have a very fine fashion program here at Buffalo State College. I think it's supposed to be the best in the SUNY system after FIT, obviously. And um, the director of the program, Dr. Lynn Boroday, is amazing, very forward thinking, extremely plugged into what's going on in the fashion industry. And she lobbied for a couple years to just get the department to buy a couple plus size mannequins so the students would have something to cut and pa pattern block off of. Uh, okay. Um, so there are a few designers in Buffalo and I love them, God bless them. I work for them with all honor who do dress up through size 24, you know, but most, um, no, I mean, I've been treated basically like a nobody here. And some of the top plus models around have come from Western New York. I mean, Emmy, the most famous one from the 90s is from Syracuse. From Buffalo, we have Carolyn Morand, who won Tyra's plus size version of America's Next Top Model. I mean, she's huge in the industry. Um, Velvet Demore, who walked in Paris Fashion Week in the 90s at 300 pounds. Um, when the top photographers in the world, she's from Rochester. I mean, there's curvy talent that came out of Buffalo. Um, but because I have a social message behind my modeling, I'm always needling people, you know, about diversity. And we're gonna get into that too. <laughs> One thing I'll say that Buffalo does a wonderful job of is racial diversity. I have no critique whatsoever about the beautiful range of colors that I've always seen in the Buffalo fashion scene and, and size diversity too. That's wonderful. Um, there are uh, a couple mature models, there are no disabled models, and the two or three of us plus models just basically keep hitting walls. And people ask me why I don't open my own agency and my answer is who would pay? There's no money flowing. Yeah. I mean, designers don't pay the models in Buffalo, photographers don't pay the models, and no one is hiring a plus model. So how could I, in good conscience, expect to make money for myself, let alone my models? Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, but whatever. I mean, I get a ton of work in New York and L.A., so, oh well, you know. <laughs> now, what are um, some common scams that yeah. um, models can face? Some are really, really obvious, and they're so obvious that like we get together, us mentors, and we laugh about them. I mean, people are sending out fake emails from um, Steven Mizell, you know, like the top Vogue photographer, um, from Annie Leibovitz, you know, the one who shoots the cover of Vanity Fair every month, going like, hey, I saw you on Instagram. Can I shoot you? Like, no. Like Mozart doesn't call you up and ask you to sing. That doesn't happen, okay? <laughs> so that one's really obvious. Um, the scams are getting more sophisticated and that's part of my job as a mentor to help, you know, my clients see through the scams. Um, 
I mean, sometimes it's easy to tell it's poorly worded, misspelling, yes. you know, ridiculous. I mean, you know, a lot of people are non-native speakers and they make mistakes, but, you know, just ridiculous grammar and misspelling and obviously was run through Google Translator, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But basically what I tell people is if it's too good to be true, it's it's not true. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all hear the stories in our head of, of um, who was it? I think it was Ashley Graham got discovered in a mall. And, you know, Lana Turner, the famous Hollywood actress, was discovered in a soda shop in 1940. I mean, once in a while it happens, but that's like 0.001%. No one just gets discovered. So yeah. if, if, if people's egos get in the way, that's why they fall for scams. They think, oh, wow, maybe I'm going to make it big or this person really likes me. And most likely it's BS. And it doesn't mean you don't deserve. It doesn't mean you're not bookable or likable. It just means put the ego aside and really read what it is because it's it's if it's we're gonna fly you out to LA and give you two thousand dollars like stop yeah, scam. I got one of those when I first started <laughs> I got a bunch of those yeah yeah now what are your thoughts with um since we were talking about New York Fashion Week yeah um, I noticed that there's a lot of um smaller productions during New York Fashion Week that says, yeah. oh yeah, you're gonna be a, a model for the New York Fashion Week. You gotta pay X amount of money to yeah. get your slot reserved. Plus you gotta guarantee to sell five oh. to 10 tickets. Yeah. What are your thoughts on those type of productions? Girl, you're singing my song. This is something I've been fighting and talking to my own models about for years. Okay. So, New York Fashion Week used to be sponsored exclusively by, um, I think it was a camera company. I think it was a Canon for a while. And then Mercedes-Benz took it over. And Mercedes-Benz used to sponsor London, Paris, the top fashion weeks. And it had one location for a while. It was in Lincoln Center. And it was like concentrated. And then they got kicked out of Lincoln Center. Mercedes-Benz withdrew the sponsorship. And so for better or for worse, New York Fashion Week splintered. There wasn't one center. There wasn't like one common area, so to speak. So it was scattered all over the city. The good news about that is that a lot of cool, interesting indie shows popped up alongside. Like I walked in a really cool event called Uptown Fashion Week, which was way up at the, the end of the six. Like literally, you can't go more uptown. I mean, I think it was the, the very last stop in the Bronx. And it was all Latin American designers. And it was some of the top models. I mean, Lyris Cross. I mean, you know, it was big, big name models. So it was during New York Fashion Week, but it was not New York Fashion Week. So there's like um, Small Business Fashion Week get, is a good show. So a lot of these people run alongside the real like trademark New York Fashion Week and they play this kind of double game where they say, oh, model for us for Fashion Week. And the models think they're going to be on the main stage in Spring Street Studios or in Pier 59 where the real Fashion Week is. And I have to tell them, no, you're not walking in New York Fashion Week, you're walking during. And how do you know? Fashion, New York Fashion Week for real casts in the days or weeks just before. So if you're telling me three months ahead of time you're in Fashion Week, no, you're not. You can't possibly be. It doesn't work that way. And I don't like to burst people's bubbles, but by all these models saying they're walking in Fashion Week when they're not, it dilutes the actual product. And so when models actually do make it on the main stage, it's been devalued. Got it. Mm -hmm. By people talking, not by shows, shows. I mean, it's not just models, but it's these. And like I said, some of them are very reputable. I mean, I would walk in Uptown Fashion Week again. I would walk in Small Business Fashion Week again. But as you pointed out, some are just straight up scams for young models who don't understand that they're not walking in Fashion Week mm -hmm. and you shouldn't have to pay out. I mean, sure, okay, if I'm in Buffalo and I'm walking in New York, they maybe aren't going to pay my plane fare, but that's my problem for choosing to live in Buffalo. But I get paid once in there, you know what I mean? I never pay out. Uh-huh. Okay, say that again. <laughs> I never, ever, never pay out. Never. 
She said it. You, that's our model mentor. Never that's it. Mm-hmm. Once yeah. in a while, you might have to buy your own magazine. That's the only thing that sometimes like, um, if you're in a print magazine, they'll give you one copy, but you really want three because you want to give one to your mom and then you have to tear out your tear sheet and put it in your book. Okay, so you maybe you're buying a couple versions of your own magazine, but never pay out, never. Okay, good advice. And yeah. speaking of advice, do you have one more piece of advice for our new models? Never pay out and... <laughs> Use your words more carefully. Okay, when I started out, I wasn't very good. I couldn't really tell the difference between a great image and a good image. I had a vision in my head of what I wanted to do, but I, I didn't have the tools to get there yet. Um, so I get it. I get what it's like to be down here and to think your work is great. And then like a year later, you look back, you're like, oh boy, I could have done that way better. Stop using words like amazing wonderful, incredible. Every photo shoot is incredible. Every photographer everyone works with is amazing. And no, they're not. Yeah. <laughs> like some are great, some suck, and most are fine. And so every photo shoot is not the best photo shoot you've done. Like calibrate your self-assessment is what I would say to young models. Good calibrate point. and, you know, Maybe you don't understand yet that that photographer you worked with is nearly good and not incredible. But if you keep throwing out these big words, they become meaningless. It just devalues actual high level work. Mm -hmm. So when I was a young model, I would refer to myself as a work in progress. Because mm -hmm. I knew, okay, I'm getting better, but I can do way better than this. But if yep. you're putting out crap, and now because a lot of mod young models and older models have to self video self-shoot because of COVID, I'm seeing terrible lighting, like ungodly bad lighting. People who have no clue how to pose. I mean, really, truly terrible pictures. And I want the best for these people. Mm -hmm. When I critique, it's because I care, okay? If I have nothing to say about your photo, it means I don't care. Um, and it, it, But it's incredible and it's wonderful and it's amazing. No, it's not. <laughs> So that's what I would like young models to say is kind of, you know, I recently met a, um, a up and coming new plus model and it was kind of like she had just discovered this all in 2019. She didn't realize there were like decades of advocacy for plus models and that there was Mode, Mode magazine and BBW magazine in the 90s and was like, I'm going to single handedly fix everything. And it's my, I, my dream is to finally get plus models into couture. I'm like, girl, I was modeling couture in London 10 years ago. Like, y'all don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm. Just do good work, you know what I mean? Yeah, I hear that. Some <laughs> <laughs> interesting, interesting perspectives. Speaking of perspectives, one of the things that um, I really like about you and that I find very interesting is that you freely speak your mind um and especially on your social media um, <laughs> and um, i i get kicked back you know yeah. i pay for it sometimes mm -hmm. <laughs> but you speak about um everything from injustices to you know um sometimes your your political views to um you also advocate for um uh, people with disabilities models um that have invisible um disabilities and also for diversity yeah now, do you feel that as a model or um e even for anyone that's in the entertainment industry as a whole is it um do they have a, a responsibility to speak about their you know um views that they feel are very important to them I don't think it's a should. Okay. Everyone's got their own life experiences and all of that. Um, in my case, my advocacy is fundamental to my modeling and vice versa. They started together. They've never been separated. When I started modeling in London and first got signed, it, it was to a diversity organization that advocated for models of all colors, all shapes, all sizes, all ability levels, all ages. Um, 
And so that's been fundamental. I mean, I model because I love it. I love the art. I love to be in the studio. You know, the perks are nice. The pictures are nice. But I have a message, right? I got a social message. And the two to me are completely intertwined. I mean, there's no... There's no um, disconnect between my modeling and my activism. And the agency I started with in London had a division for models of color, for petite models, for models who are actually considered too tall, for plus models, for disabled models. I mean, I had friends who, who walked London Fashion Week, deaf, blind, missing limbs, wheelchairs, and this was back in 2010, like now it's kind of trendy. This No one was doing this 10, 11 years ago. On crutches, um, burn marks, burn victims, the whole shebang. So, I mean, I advocate for plus models and disabled models because that's me, right? But I, I've been dis, um, advocating strongly for models of color, you know, and that affects me because I'm a human being with morals, not because it's like a selfish thing, you know, same thing with petite models and, and um, other so-called divisions between models. And um, so to me, it's very important. And um, sometimes I feel like I wish I could just shut up and model because I have friends. I mean, I have uh, friends who are black models who are extremely well known and did not say one word about BLM and George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, literally did not say one word. And on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, you what, you got nothing to say? But that's them running their career. And you don't know what people are doing behind the scenes. They're donating, they're writing petitions, you know, um, they're going to protest marches, they're calling their senators, etc. Um, my platform isn't so big that I can lay back and just let people come to me. You know, some of the really big people can get away with doing and saying nothing. I'm not there yet. And, and I wasn't raised that way. You know, um, I've been in a smackdown with someone this week who said something really disgusting about the disabled community and refused to take it back. And then I had to, she had said it under her company's name. And then I had to talk to her boss and say, do you know what this person's doing in your name? And, you know, um, especially after the George Floyd murder, um, and I've always been vocal about this issue, but I got extremely vocal. I lost a ton of followers and good riddance, like goodbye racists, goodbye Karens and Beckys, like get out of my, like take the, tra the trash took itself out. You know what I mean? Um, but it also puts some people off too. So sometimes I wish I could just shut up and model. <laughs> you know, let the, I mean, as a disability and plus advocate, my work speaks for itself, you know? But yeah, so um, I I do speak my opinion. I listen. You know, I'm not always right. I'm the first to admit when I'm wrong. I'm a Libra. <laughs> so I'm the first to say, you know what? What I did was not cool. I'm sorry. I apologize. And, and I'm naive in expecting the same behavior back. But um, it's not just about modeling. I mean, I'm really... I get letters and have for the past 11 years I've been doing this. I mean, every day, every week from people saying, um, I hated my body until I saw your photos. I couldn't get out of bed until I saw that you also have multiple sclerosis and now I can get out of bed. I mean, I've had a couple of people tell me they were gonna kill themselves. And then they read like an article about me or something. And that's beyond humbling. I mean, that when God gives you that, you do something with it. And so when people think I'm too political or not political enough or the trolls go after me or the buffalo scene ignores me, I think, you know, unless you're like a doctor or a social worker, how many of you people have saved lives? Because mm -hmm. my community saves lives. I'm not the only one who gets these kind of messages. I mean, Sylvana Danker, I can tell you without a doubt that woman has saved hundreds of lives. Mm -hmm. So it's it's important. It is. And that's why I'm not going to shut up. My parents raised me to speak truth to power and to call out the BS. And, you know, I was raised to be a feminist, raised to... to to call out racist, you know, my parents raised me good, <laughs> thank God. And I just don't really have a tolerance for people who 
frankly, whose parents did a shitty job. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Now, um, you also work with the several organizations nationwide that advocate yeah. for models with invisible disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, what advice would you have for um, anyone that has invisible disabilities that are trying to pursue any kind of dream? It doesn't necessarily have to be modeling, but just right. anything that they're trying to pursue. There's a lot of fear that people don't want to let their bosses, their potential bosses, their coworkers, et cetera, know what they have. For example, I have multiple sclerosis. I have many friends with lupus fibromyalgia, these are typical invisible disabilities or chronic diseases. And for good reason, I mean, you know, the American with Disabilities Act is currently strong and currently still the law, but it's hard to sue people, you know, it takes time and money and energy. And um, yeah, some people really keep it quiet and suffer in silence because they don't want to get fired. Um, when I first was finally diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and got a lot of press. I was written up in Yahoo International and all of this. I put out a call, hey, where are the other models with multiple sclerosis? I talked to MS organizations. I contacted modeling agencies and I got crickets. Mm. And I can't be the only agency signed for MS. <laughs> Statistically, it's not possible. Mm. They were all hiding it. And some even wrote to me anonymously, privately said, well, I have it, but please don't mention me. I don't want my agency to know. Mm. Now, for some reason, the lupus community is much more outspoken, is much more like successful at, I don't really, I don't get what, I mean, MS and lupus are kind of like cousin diseases. There's not a massive difference between the two of them. But for some reason, people with lupus feel safer telling their truth. Um, Robin Lawley, who's one of the top models out there, she was the first plus model in um, swim, uh, Sports Illustrated swimsuit a couple years ago. She has lupus and she had a seizure about two years ago. She fell down the stairs and has a huge scar right here on her forehead. She calls it her Harry Potter scar. It, it does, it is cool. It does look kind of a, and I think maybe she scarred her lip. And I mean, she signed to Wilhelmina. She's literally one of the top models in the world. And she's vocal about it. And she will show her scar, you know, like Padma Lakshmi, you know, she's proud of the scar. She doesn't care. She shows it. So what I would say is if you really have to stay hidden, I get it. I hear you. I support it. But more people are going to be cool than you think. People are going to be understanding. I mean, I've had seizures on the stage in the middle of operas. And you just, you grab onto something and you, and you power through it. Um, my runway career has attenuated a little bit because I just physically cannot do really high thin stilettos. I mean, it, you, you lose a lot of balance with multiple sclerosis. And I have fallen on the runway. I fell on a runway in L.A., a lot of models fall, by the way. If they tell you, oh, models don't fall, they're totally lying. <laughs> but I also said, it, luckily, it was a small, private, like a VIP launch, and there wasn't a lot of press there because I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to go viral, and I'm going to be that girl. <laughs> Everyone was so nice about it in the audience. I went to the designer, I'm like, and she hugged me. She says, no, don't worry about it. In fact, everyone's talking about it. And I pulled it off cute. I kind of did like an Olympic when I fell. <laughs> and that taught me something like it's best not to fall. But if you're going to fall, do it in a way that still serves the designer's needs. Okay. And she was really cool about it. And she's like, everyone's talking about the cute girl who fell, you know. But I also swore that that would never happen again. Never. <laughs> I would never put myself or my employer in that position again. So I just can't do stilettos anymore. But if so for some runways, they're like, too bad, get out. But most of them, they're like, okay, you know, you could wear a fat stacked heel. And now on catwalks, girls and boys are wearing sneakers. They're going barefoot, wearing boots, sandals. Like, you know, it's not only about the high stilettos anymore. But I had to modify what I do on the catwalk, but most people are completely okay with it. Okay. Um, I had a seizure doing, during a shoot with the world famous Velvet Demore, the um, 
high fashion plus model and photographer in Paris I mentioned earlier. And I mean, I puked all over Rochester's beaches. I mean, I would do a couple of poses and then blah, and then do a couple more and then blah, and rot, bless her heart, you know, Velvet was holding my hair back so I wouldn't mess up my outfit. <laughs> And, you know, they were so understanding. And I ended up writing an article about it. And we made it into an editorial that got published. Wow. So you just got to find people who, and most people are chill. Like, you know, they know your disease or your accident or whatever your thing is, isn't your fault. So just trust that, no, not everyone's going to reject you. Some people are going to be there. You Eventually, you're probably going to get hired because of it. Mm. You know, I just booked a major editorial in a print magazine specifically because I have MS. Wow. Great advice. Now, everyone is going to project it. I like it. Mm. So, um, what would you tell young Carmina? Oh, God. <laughs> Don't sweat the small stuff. Forget about your tooth. Yep. Look at the bigger picture. Take control of your own health. Great. Now, what's next for you? What, what do you have? Um, any upcoming um, projects? Any publications? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, I do. I have um, a small editorial spread coming out in a new boutique print magazine called Soiree, Soiree Magazine. I have an editorial in the relaunch of Fabu Plus magazine. Oh. Um, there's another one that I can't mention that's coming up. <laughs> that's all thing. Like you get a gig and then you can't say anything for six yeah. months. It's same with opera. So by the time you announce it, it's like the balloon is already deflated. <laughs> uh, I mean, I lost a lot of contracts, obviously, during the pandemic. Um, Silvana had booked me and some other models. Um, it's kind of what you work for to 10 years is to have that that perk. We were going to be in like a palazzo on a little island off the coast of Croatia. And, you know, with like a private pool. This was back in May, shooting for something like 10 different German brands. And it was like, wow, I made it. You know, this is the, it's 95% hard work. This is the 5%. And of course it got canceled with COVID and the international travel ban. I mean, you know, I literally should be right now in New York working Fashion Week. I have a press pass because I work for a magazine. So during Fashion Week, I'm modeling, I'm walking, I'm taking photos, I'm doing video interviews. I'd be looking at my billboard, you know. Uh -huh. So there's not a lot on the horizon in modeling just because we're kind of waiting for the system to come back online, so to speak. And it's even worse in singing. I mean, all opera contracts have been canceled through 2021. I honestly don't expect to be in an opera again until 2022. Mm -hmm. I uh, run and direct my own choir here in Buffalo, but group communal singing is one of the most single dangerous things you can do because singers are considered super spreaders because we have these powerful opera lungs and we project the aerosols like two or three times farther than the average person so singing it's it's really weird because what you love to do what you've trained your whole life the reason you think you were put on this earth is now become incredibly dangerous yeah so and you know singing with masks i mean that's a whole other interview <laughs> yeah. so but i mean there's good things but you have some good. publications coming out so yeah. make sure please tag me so i can share it thank and you then, um, Let's see, um, why don't you tell our viewers and listeners how they can connect with you? Sure. I'm on Instagram and I just changed my handle to Curvy Confident Carmina. Uh -oh. And Carmina is spelled C A R M I N A. So on Instagram, Curvy Confident Carmina. And then on Facebook, I'm just under Carmina Suzanne. Um, and there's a lot of content, probably too much on all those places. <laughs> well, you send me, well, I, I have your Facebook. Um, should I have your, I might have your Instagram. Just send me both so that I can have it. Um, yeah. And make sure that I put it out there for the viewers to also, and listeners to be able to um, connect with you. Perfect. And so 
always, everyone knows that they can follow me. Um, I have the um, Be Inspired with Linda H Facebook page, and I also have um, it on Instagram as well. So we will talk to you next week. And thank you so much, Carmina, for thank you show with us. All right. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. God bless everyone. Told y'all this was a movement. Taking over. Dang, believe You dig? Banked out. Banked out. Banked out. Banked out. Banked out. Banked out. East to west, we getting banked out. North to south, we getting banked out. Worldwide, we getting banked out. Call up 917-889-8041 This the Bang Down Radio Show We controlling the globe and we second to no one Every Tuesday and Thursday we putting that work in Call my do it for the culture Then it's one love we see from 8pm to 9pm With tips she the trophy And we keep making moves by coastal Let them suck they believe but I told you Bang Down about to be your household name Bang Down mean we can pop more change Falling like Odell, shout out to Rochelle Network and Saturday is about to be your movie Gotta go big, it's the only way to do it we get into it. Can't forget Fridays, gotta be inspired with Linda H. While you ride on the interstate, we got Sundays with sunshine from five to six. While you watching on your dinner plate, make sure to tune in and tap in with the movement. Cause it's about to go down. Shout out, discover this. Captain of the mothership. If you ain't know that you know now.